Today on Keep Classical Weird, I talk with none other than Dr. Sophia Taggart. We have some reflections on the year behind us, the year ahead, but most of all, we gather to say, Happy New Year! Happy New Year! It's 2021! It's not 2020! (laughs) Oh my god! Oh my god, we made it! Welcome, friends, to episode 30 of Keep Classical Weird. I am your host, Casey Bozell. It may be the understatement of all time to say that 2020 was a difficult year for everyone. And before diving back into specific stories and interviews for the year to come, I thought it best to talk about classical music as a whole right now. This kind of snapshot in history will certainly be looked back on for a variety of reasons, and I wanted to firmly cement our place in the present. Dr. Sophia Taggart and I had a great conversation about the year that was, the changes, the surprises, and even some bright spots. And we discuss what we think that means for classical music in the year to come. Enjoy. I feel like that 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 gif with the little kid on the, the carousel that just goes around and the kid's just like, fl- like dragging on the floor with it. That's, that's how I feel going into 2021. But also with a little bit of of hope, just like a little flicker. <laughs> I feel like there's a smidge in there too. It must yeah. be. I I feel like at least for me, the vaccine. I know people now who are getting the vaccine. Yeah, and, like people that I personally know have gotten it, so it's actually real <laughs> in yeah. my mind. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I know. I I'm seeing more people on Facebook posting that um, they got their their vaccine. And of course they're all like essential workers that are posting that. And so it's, it, it, it does feel like a big relief, especially to see them getting it. Cause they're the ones on the front line. Right. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I know it's then musicians are next. I'm sure. Of course. I'm, I'm actually <laughs> hoping, I'm hoping teachers might be next, but I don't, I don't know what the, the protocol is or the, the hierarchy or whatever, but I feel like teachers in general should be the next ones up. Teachers need it. Absolutely. Yes. So 2020 was difficult for everybody. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that you had in 2020 that you can look at as maybe a little bit of a bright spot? I think there are a few things, which is saying something because I am definitely on the pessimistic side of, of life. Um, I'm, I'm not, I don't look on the bright side of life as uh, Monty Python says, but um, I would say that some of the, some of the bright spots of 2020 in general were, I think people learned to appreciate things that they maybe took for granted previously. And I think one of those things might in fact be music when it's not, around you all the time and you don't have the option of seeing it live and hearing it live. I think it reminds us how important it is. And I think what, what caused us to think or to realize this is the second everyone was quarantined and everyone was online, like reaching out and doing little mini concerts. I think people realized how much they missed that. Right. So I think that's, that's something good that came out of 
of this whole ugh, chaotic year. Um, and then on on that same lines, I think um, creativity is a, it has been at an all time high because people have to be creative. I think yet again we kind of take for granted the the ease in which certain things can happen in society, you know, because of technology or, or just, you know, the advancement of society or whatever, and being like sucked back into your house and having a quarantine, I think it caused a lot of people to become more creative. That's for sure. I also think a high bright spot of this is getting to do this podcast to say the same thing i'm so glad you think so <laughs> Yay. it's it's been it's been something that i i look forward to when when we get have these little get-togethers not just because i get to do the so okay thing that i love to do so much <laughs> where, where I then follow with a big nerd freak out <laughs> but um i i also you know get to talk to my friend who I used to see all the time and yeah. then I moved away like a horrible hurt human being. So just moved, moved away practically out of the country. Um, I know. Gosh. Being honest, it's you're like know. a good, what? Seven hours up the road. Six. <laughs> oh, Six. even less. <laughs> you're like 23 hours drive away. Okay. Six hours up the road. <laughs> Hi. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think, I think you know that this podcast has a, has been a bright spot, and then you know, just um, I would say that I tend to overload myself with projects and teaching and all sorts of stuff, and so I feel like I'm constantly running through the semester like you know a chicken with my head cut off, and I've got you know this project that's supposed to finish and this project that I, I need to get started and blah, blah, blah. And everything's piling up and I'm freaking out. And the stuff that usually makes me super busy has been stripped away. So I've actually had time to finish a project and then start the next one. And it, it made me realize how important it is to maybe have some balance <laughs> in my life. That's great. And I love how you brought up the creativity too, because um, mm -hmm. I, I made me so proud of like all musicians that we know that everybody's response to not being able to perform was not like, well, I guess I'll just wait it out or I'll put my instrument away or whatever. Everybody was like, how do we do it now? What, yeah. what do we need to create? What do we need to invent in some cases just to be able to do what we do and present art to, you know, yeah. our community as a whole, which yeah. I don't know how else we would have reacted really given the circumstances, but it's just so, yeah. it's so nice to know that that's like, that's at the core of what we right. do. Right. And I, I think it also like, when I realized I couldn't have any concerts live, you know, I, I figured out other ways to live stream it and do this, do this and that. And, and, you know, it was never a question of whether or not I was going to do it. I, it was a question of how. And then you get done and I was like, huh, you know, I must really like the flute because I, I, I made this happen. <laughs> like I could have, yeah, just been like, eh, I'll take some time off. But I, it kind of reaffirms that I'm in the business that I should be in. You're where you're you know? supposed to be. Yeah, because it's yeah. what I love. Yes. So. 
Yes, mm-hmm. I absolutely agree with that. I had another bright spot for myself, and that is that um, because of a similar schedule, I identify with a similar schedule to you of like mm-hmm. going everywhere and doing everything all at yeah. once, that I rarely, if ever, before this, listened to music. I just, oh. you know, because I'm always performing, I'm always whatever. And I had heard, I had obviously heard of Caroline Shop before mm-hmm. this year. But I had never like actually come home and been like, let's check it. And it's so easy because it's like, yeah. let's literally open YouTube and boom, there's Caroline Shaw. But I'd never actually taken the step to do that until I was so, so starved and so desperate for like creativity and new music. And mm-hmm. discovering her and her works was a real high point of mine. Um, mm-hmm. And her music is something that I find myself going to again and again. And I wouldn't have predicted that given her um general aesthetic and uh and her works but I am into it and so discovering new music like that especially hers for me uh that was a big bright point that's awesome yeah I I guess I guess that is something that I I didn't really realize as well but I have been listening to more music as well um and um I I wouldn't say I've like discovered anyone new, but I have um, like really done some really nerdy stuff where I listen to like the same piece by like five different flutists. It's so, oh. so nerdy. But then I like listen to them and I'm like, oh, this person does this and this one does this. And I, I like to compare and contrast and it really, I never have time to do that. So this has been great. I also read a ton this year. I am on book 36 of the year. Yeah. Which you're for some, yeah. for some people, I think that doesn't seem like a lot. And for others, it seems like a lot. So I, for me, it's a lot. All right. Are you ready to move into 2021 predictions? Heck yeah. Let's forget about 2020. 2022. Okay. <laughs> Good books, great podcast. Woohoo! Next, yes. like that's great. Moving on, um, moving on. So I, I, I have a few things I want to discuss with you in terms of predictions. My predictions mostly center around the nature of how performances will continue into this into this new year and beyond. I think you know, uh, just based on this last year, I think there will be a lot of changes. Um, some that will stick, maybe lo- more long term. Like I think the the live streaming aspect will will probably not go away. Um, I think more people will live stream all the time now. It doesn't mean they're not going to do the live concerts. I'm just thinking, you know, a lot of people were not live streaming before COVID and now they're going to probably right. forever. Um, I think actually um, because of 2020 and just everything um, and kind of, you know, having all that time to really examine society. I think that we've seen an increase in awareness of having more diverse programs um, mm-hmm. with with the uh, composers or with the performers or what have you. And and so I think I think we're going to continue to see that awareness of equity and inclusion on programs. And I'm really excited for that. So I think that's something that. I think has been building for a while, but I do think that 
COVID and um, just 2020 in general and uh, Black Lives Matter movements and a lot of other movements that have been going on and just, you know, self-awareness. I think we're going to see that continue and, and really start building in the future. So I think that's, that's one of my predictions. Um, yeah. Like on a larger scale. Well, yeah. So let's go back to the live stream thing. I was, I'm in my mind throughout 2021, I think people will continue to mm-hmm. live stream. For sure. And then once, once it's available to be in the hall for a concert, I think um, orchestra management, opera company, ballet companies, all of these managements have kind of an interesting problem on their hands because there are now two different audiences that they have the capability of catering to. But it seems to me that in order to get like the optimal, um, both the optimal uh, uh, ticket sales, I would think, and the optimal value, you have to really succeed on both fronts. You can't, you can't offer both and not do well in one of them and succeed. Do you know what I mean? Like if you, if you offer a live stream and you fill your concert hall and then like five people are watching your live stream at the same time, that's, that's a product that doesn't really bode well for you. It certainly doesn't bode well. On the other hand, if everybody chooses to live stream and then you don't get anybody showing up to the concert hall, that's even a more dangerous problem to me because that's changing the fundamental nature of the product that you're offering. Definitely. I think the audience is such an important component of that live performance. I don't think, this is my prediction officially, I don't think in 2021 when live concerts will be able to be offered safely, I don't think people will have to worry right away about filling the concert halls. I think there's a hunger there. I think there's a need there for people to actually attend concerts and have live music but the honeymoon phase I think is going to be short and Mm -hmm. I think people will have to think on their feet really quickly about not just offering music to music starved people but actually offering what people are really wanting and seeking out of their performance experience yeah yeah I I think you're right I think that they they'll want to capitalize on the things that you absolutely cannot have in a virtual concert. So for me, that would just, you know, the excitement of being in the hall and, you know, and, and I think everyone understands how more, how much more exciting it is to be at the concert, listening to right. it live and seeing it live. Right. That's just, that's, I mean, and as a performer being on stage, I, you know, I, I did my, my faculty recital this year was live streamed and there was absolutely no one in the audience. The only people in the entire hall were me and the engineer guy in the, in the sound booth. And that was it. <laughs> and, uh-huh. um, and it was really weird uh-huh. knowing that everyone was there, but virtually. So I think, I think, yes, there are certain things that you know, you need to capitalize on. So um, making that audience experience more inviting so you know definitely talking to the audience at home or like uh sorry not at home but um in person and Um, right but I I also think you know this it it might be simple and it might be kind of silly but I think the part that I missed with that concert the most was when I got done and walking out of the stage doors no one was there right to greet me and say hey you know 
And then after that, you know, I couldn't like go out with my colleagues and go get a drink or, you know, appetizers. So, so I think that um, in order to get people to show up to the concerts after the honeymoon phase is over is maybe capitalizing on the pre-concert environment and the post-concert environment. So putting up flyers that say, you know, concert, and then at the bottom put punch and pie, you know, like Cartman with the love resistance. You know, <laughs> right? So like if you offer punch and pie at these concerts, you might get more people. I I, I mean, that yeah. might be silly, like just having a reception, but I think it's not, um, it's so important. And it, and it, when you invite the audience and the musicians to the same thing, after mm-hmm. the concert, then it takes away that divide and therefore that mysticism of what the heck is happening on stage. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Sure. I think that's great. I think that's yeah. really great. Um, and yeah, I like, I, I had a similar experience to you when I did a quartet concert in Newport. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause we did it. We, it was us. I think there were a dozen people in the hall between the recording artists and uh, the director and the quartet ourselves, you know, all, all playing this concert. Um, and then, yeah, we did the same thing as afterwards. We, we all were like, well, we did this great concert. We're all masked. We come out, we can't hug each other. Yeah. And we're at backstage and all of this energy of having a really performance that we were really proud of. And then we went, well, bye. And that was it. And it was such a letdown because that's not what, you know. That's when we have such elation like that, it's, that's something to be shared. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's where you can get people to continue to come back. I mean, and you know, these, these concert managers, I I mean, they might want to start purchasing some t-shirt guns or something. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Can you imagine? (laughs) That would be so cool. Right. Yeah, turn it into a sporting event almost. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, stop. I I I like that because it's you're not worrying so much about ruining the decorum or the air that you're putting on. Where mm-hmm. you're presenting a piece of art and it's a legit piece of art, really, no matter how you present it, that doesn't change yeah. the art at all. Yeah, yeah. That's for t-shirt guns. Yes. Why not? I mean, why not? I mean, this opens up so many opportunities and, um, or you could just, you know, throw like pins, like cute little buttons out to the audience that have like your organization's name on it or something. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think there's ways to, people love swag. They love, they love food, drinking and swag. So, I mean, Give them that at the concerts. Yes. If you can wrap all that up in the concerts. Well, there you go. We just saved music in the concert. Work. We did that for free. I know. For all you managements are who are listening. That's right. <laughs> you are welcome, world. <laughs> <laughs> I am excited to see where this goes. I mean, it's it's a pretty pretty huge, you know, interruption to every, everything, you know, and so I'm, I'm interested to see how things alter because of what happened with COVID. Yes, I agree. And also kind of, I guess this is another silver lining is that um, the necessary adoption of technology kind of yanked our industry forward into that. I don't know. 
I don't know how willingly classical musicians would have done that as a whole yeah, into yeah. adopting any of these formats beforehand. So I, I think, yeah, you're right. And I think also it, it wasn't just the musicians out in the field working. It was also music education was thrust forward like yes. 50 years because I swear everyone was still stuck in the seventies, you know, like totally. just, just, um, everyone seemed to be, you know, afraid of technology and like, Oh, I don't want to, I don't want to bother, but they had to with this. And so I think that it's going to affect in a positive way, the education of current music students, because it's going to make them more prepared for a technological society. Whereas beforehand, like I remember when I was an undergrad, I left school only knowing how to input stuff into finale for, for comp, you know, composing stuff. And it was yep. like this super old version of finale that looked like it was, you know, made during Donkey Kong years or something. I mean, it was so <laughs> ancient and like, <laughs> and so now. Donkey Kong so, years, that's your category. <laughs> yeah. The, the, um, the epoch of, of Donkey Kong. <laughs> I'm sorry. I love that. That's what you chose as your qualifier. Please yeah. continue. <laughs> that was the only thing I could think of, you know, just like this very, anyway, whatever. Okay. Yeah, yep, um, yep. <laughs> so, and, and it, and like, I taught myself various things, you know, along the way, but this year in particular, I, I just, I'm so much more knowledgeable about the technology out there and, and all the softwares and how you do this and how you do that. And I think, I think that is, is going to change the landscape of, of music education just in general. Yes. And I'm really, I'm really happy about that because I think music schools um, often are really set in their ways and they don't like to look ahead. And I think yeah. Not that they're looking ahead now, but they at least caught up to 2020. <laughs> this is kind of a corny question, but I wanted to include it anyway. Do you have mm -hmm. any, what are your, what are your resolutions for the upcoming year? Okay. So I'm not one for making big resolutions. Um, okay. I don't like setting myself up for failure. Really. I identify with that. Yep. Mm -hmm. However, uh, I've always considered myself to be a very patient person. I feel like 2020 has really pushed my limits um, with I'm the patient. amount of patience that I have with people, with myself, with life, with everything. And so my my 2021 goal is to continue to to develop more patience, mostly because there is that light at the at the end of the tunnel that's starting to show and. I'm, I'm finding myself just wanting to like burst forward towards it. And I need to remember that there are still like hurdles in the way. That's yeah. re really good resolution. Yeah. And even if that seems like one that even if you attempt it, you're going to have positive results. Yes. I, I prefer those resolutions <laughs> where you get like partial credit for attempt. <laughs> I, so. I think you get, yes. No, I think you get credit for even thinking of it. So good. Oh, good. Yeah. I already, it's, it's already done. Check Pace it off it. the list. January Pace 1st, it. more patience. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I decided I want to do a couple things this year. Oh, uh, huh. one is to just like, keep this up. Cause this is a blast to do. I mean, yeah. this podcast is just 
been so much fun. Uh, people seem to enjoy it, which is fantastic. I, I enjoy I'm, it. I'm glad I enjoy it too. Uh, so keeping up that sort of online presence. Um, and the other thing is I want to figure out, it's been very clear to me that performance is my favorite thing. And mm -hmm. the, it's like, no wonder my emotions are in such a state of disrepair as they are that I've been cut off from doing my favorite thing after spending so long figuring out what is my favorite thing. And then, yeah. and then not being able to do it. And so figuring out more ways to do it imperfectly. And I think my own personality wants to just is dissatisfied if I'm not in front of a, you know, huge audience playing these big pieces and these big works. And I need to be more confident in my soul that I can actually achieve that imperfectly. Mm -hmm. Meaning, you know, maybe I figure out more ways to play outdoors for people. Maybe I figure out more regular live streams to put out there, even if, even if that means that like, I don't have the big audience or draw that I'm doing it for somebody. And therefore it's, it's feeding some sort of a need and it's good for my own musical soul. And so, yeah, imperfect performances are what, <laughs> what I'm going for. That's an awesome, I know. I think that's a, a great, a great, um, goal and resolution. Um, that reminds me of the fact that last summer, when we were kind of in a lull before yep. the second wave, my graduating senior was able to do her recital the day before our state went back into lockdown and, and no concerts indoor or out were allowed. Right. So it was like the, literally the night before this mandate kicked in again. And it, and it was such a good, like, it was an amazing success. This concert, we couldn't have it in the concert hall, but we built a stage on the side of the concert hall in this little cove and set up chairs that were like six feet apart. And there were maybe 12 chairs total, but there was a lawn behind it if people wanted to sit and, and watch. And it made me realize that that is the perfect setting for an outdoor summer series. So yeah. I think, you know, those imperfect, yeah, settings that are just, and then people were walking by and they, they like listened for a few minutes and then kept going. And, and it made me realize that like, even if no one's full on sitting there and listening to you, just having that concert and live performance sometimes just randomly brings joy to someone who's just passing by, you know? And I think... I think just giving them that brief momentary break from whatever they were doing to kind of listen and then continue on. I think that's, that's something that we as musicians often don't remember is, is a big, is actually a big thing, you know, because we're always yeah. being, pushing ourselves for the bigger thing, the next best thing. And I think, I think you're right. Those, those moments for other people are, are good goals. And that's our show for today. My thanks, as always, goes to my dear friend, Dr. Sophia Taggart at Washington State University. Here's to many more episodes together. Our theme music is composed by Thomas Barber. Check out his stuff at thomasbarber.com. Web development support is provided by Tina at citybeautifuldesign.com. Keep Classical Weird is created and edited by me, Casey Bozell. Find us on Facebook and Instagram. For more music education in a bite-sized form, subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash keepclassicalweird and get instant access to my video podcast, Casey Does Classical. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. Stay safe, stay weird, 
and here's to 2021!